my insurance company can do to help my business. How are my insurance premiums going to be affected? Well, here we are, episode six of Grounded, a podcast series about the effect of the pandemic on general aviation in Australia. I'm Angela Stevenson, and I have to say I'm loving the response I've had to this project. Thank you all for your support. Hopefully we are talking and sharing like never before. Let's keep this conversation going. Let's keep leaning into what we can do together to get the general aviation industry back in the air and working towards a more resilient future. You know, we all love to love insurance, but would you be without it? Today, I'm talking to Mike Dalton of Agile Underwriting about insurance and the pandemic. And there's some interesting points in it for those of us with an aircraft, a license, a business or anything that requires aviation insurance. Are you properly covered? Thanks for being here, Mike, and thanks for agreeing to a chat. No problem, Angela. Always happy to talk to you. Uh, Thank you. So Agile Underwriting is an underwriting agent and your particular remit is aviation, insuring general aviation risks in Australia, South Pacific and New Zealand. And this includes aircraft insurance, maintenance and repair organisations, fixed wing, rotor wing, balloons, gliders, RAOs. Uh, But what is the core of your business? Yeah, look, we've got a pretty good cross section across most uh, general aviation risks here we've traditionally not been much of an insurer of helicopters because uh, of overly discounted pricing in that sector but but that's changing but i I guess uh, the majority of our book is private aircraft owners like yourself and uh, flying schools Um, we've got a lot of vintage airplanes that sort of thing as well so it's um but but it's a it's a broadly you know broad cross section of the book and you've told me that Agile is essentially a work-from-home setup anyway, so not much has changed operationally. But how has the pandemic affected Agile from a broader business perspective? You know, from a, from a broader business perspective, it'll be interesting to see down the track when we've got time to sit there and go, okay, well, you know, this change in our income was as a result of uh, COVID-19. You know, it'll be interesting to see how the numbers stack up. But I think because of the, the broader cross-section of our, our customer base, we probably won't be too badly affected, you know, unlike some of our customers who will, uh, unfortunately, uh, be very seriously affected. And that very seriously affected consequence, is that happening now or do you think we're looking at a delayed response? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's really hard to... Uh, to, to sort of make a judgment call on that. I mean, there are, there is certainly a, a number of uh, customers, both customers of mine and, and, and others that, that are suffering straight away. So if you look at um, a really good example is if you go up into the Sundays and you look at the tourist operators up there where all the tourist resorts are closed and, you know, the operators are running around in helicopters and caravans and all that sort of stuff. And they've built really good businesses around primarily foreign tourists and all of a sudden overnight their business is in a bunch of trouble because no customers uh, the banks still want to be paid for the finance on their machines because most of the machines are going to be financed the owners then can't decide to self-insure because the bank will expect that they buy insurance so you know there's still costs like that that they have to meet with absolutely you know zero income 
Whereas, you know, if you look at uh, aircraft operators like you and I, basically, you know, private aircraft operators, the the cost of operating air, air, aircraft or the, the obligations of operating an aircraft aren't dependent on a paying customer. So our our situation is a little bit different. But but certainly, you know, there will be sectors of the industry that will suffer and it may take some time to exactly see what that looks like. In terms of insurance, what about maintenance organisations? What are you observing? Are they hurting more or less or the same as other parts of the industry? Uh, we've not seen any pushback on insurance premiums for maintenance organisations at this stage. It's um, it's a it's a slightly different situation for them. You know, you, you and I buy our insurance for our aircraft to cover uh, an accident that occurs within a period of time. And if we stop flying our aeroplane, we we know that the um, chances of that accident are significantly reduced. Engineers buy their insurance policy on a slightly different basis in, in as much as the insurance covers them for an occurrence that may occur um, as a result of something that they did three months ago. So they would be less likely to be uh, you know, pushing back or looking to cancel insurances. But I think you know, a lot of them, uh, or the feedback I seem to be getting at the moment, is that there's no shortage of work for those guys. I, I'm actively trying to get an engine bulk stripped for one of my own aeroplanes. I was told last week, yeah, we can bulk strip it for you, but we won't be able to look at it for you until July. There's that much work in front of you. So maybe that's as a result of, of people taking, taking the opportunity. Well, if I can't go and fly my aeroplane, maybe it's time to be getting some work done on it. And what are insurance companies doing, if anything, to assist their GA customers at the moment? Are they able to or are they under too much pressure themselves? Um, look, I think different companies are taking different approaches and then it, it, uh, it depends a lot on the particular circumstances of, of the customer. So, you know, the, the tourist operators that I mentioned before are a really good example where, you know, the only genuine thing that an insurer can do is is agree to reduce the the coverage on the aircraft down to you know the minimums because um, as I say the banks will still expect that the aircraft are financed and certainly that's that's what we've been doing for people in that situation if they're if they're under you know proper financial stress then give them some instant relief um, in 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 the premium by way of you know reducing the cover down to ground risks or something like that for for others, We've been looking to um, provide policy extensions. Um, so you know, once once we're able to determine um, what's the the period of time that the pandemic has affected their ability to fly their aeroplane, we convert that into an extension of the renewal date at the at the end of the policy period. One of the, one of the key things to uh, for people to remember with insurance and particularly when you start looking into sectors um, like aviation where it's you know it's not as massive as it is for car insurers and home and contents insurers and that sort of thing um, is there still needs to be a enough money in the premium pot to pay the claims and when there's when there's insufficient funds insurers make a loss and and they tend to stop insuring particular sectors and we've certainly seen that globally in aviation in the last two years where you know Big multinational insurers have stepped away from doing it. Some of the Lloyd syndicates have stepped away from doing it. So looking for, for ways to 
recognise and give some relief to customers in these sort of situations by policy extensions and things like that, rather than giving back premium, it still maintains a reasonable amount of premium in the pot so that insurers can pay claims. What about what about business interruption insurance or business continuity? Anything happening there? What are you observing? Okay, so aviation is is one of those sectors where, and I sort of alluded to it before, that the the, the non-aviation insurers go, oh, that's aviation, we can't deal with that. Um, and certainly when you look at business uh, interruption type insurance, it's generally not available for flying school, flying charter, flying type operators. What is available is if they uh, if there's an accident and an aircraft is is removed from service for repairs, there's there's cover that the operator can buy within their aircraft insurance policy that provides them some level of loss of use type cover. But for business, call it business interruption as a result of something like COVID-19, then there's no there's no cover available for that. And you operators need to, to look at, or certainly look at what the government's handing out and, and see what sort of uh, compensation they can access that way. Whether, whether operators are doing that or not, I, I don't know. Um, and I haven't looked to see what uh, what's available from them. But certainly from an insurance product um, perspective, there's there's not a cover available for the current situation. And CASA has made a number of exemptions regarding currency and annuals. Is that affecting insurance? Yeah, look, I, I think um, in, in simple terms, you know, the, the insurance policies require with the, require that the, the pilot and the aircraft owner and the operator comply with what the regulator says. So, you know, if, if CASA is giving levels of dispensation around, uh, you know, currency and medicals and and maintenance and all that sort of stuff, then there won't be a problem with the insurance. Currency is an interesting one in itself, though, because, you know, we, we're often approached by customers for low utilisation discounts. Um, and, you know, the, the argument is that, well, I've presented less of a risk for you because I've only flown 10 hours this year. Okay, that's sure. That's that's fine. The counter to that, of course, is you actually represent an increased risk for us because you've only flown ten hours a year. So, so currency from an insurer's perspective is is uh, an interesting topic and uh, and one that's um, <laughs> it's always the subject of some debate between the policyholder and the insurer. Certainly, you know, pilots should be looking for every opportunity to maintain some level of currency. And, and I, I understand that has been difficult for some over, over recent months. But in, in, in actual fact, it's probably not that much more different than any normal winter, particularly here in the southern states where, you know, we'll get three months of winter here in Melbourne and people probably won't fly for three months during winter and then they come out in springtime when the weather's nice and go for a fly. So... I, you know, using that latter example, the springtime, we generally see an increase in aircraft accidents in springtime. Whether that's currency related or, or not, I, I couldn't hand on my heart say, but I suspect it probably is. So it'll be interesting to see whether we, we see the same uh, occurrence uh, as people start flying again post-COVID-19. Regarding currency, what advice do you have for us as we emerge into the more relaxed restrictions in terms of making sure our insurance is, is legal or hunky-dory? Well, I think um, one thing that people do need to consider carefully, um, and a lot of people don't think about it, is 
you know, where, where you've got a currency problem and particularly, you know, if you hit the, the 90 day mark and you haven't done your three takeoffs and landings and you are unsure about your currency, you simply can't take one of your mates to go and sit next to you and provide supervision because your mate in that situation is coming along as a passenger and if you haven't done your three takeoffs and landings in the last 90 days, you can't carry a passenger. So, um, you know, people in that situation really should be looking to a flight instructor to provide them currency or refresher training to, to make sure, A, they're legal, but B, that they actually get proper refresher coaching and supervision that that perhaps a mate with a PPL doesn't have the skills to deliver. So from from what I understand, and I'm most definitely not the expert, it appears that CASA didn't ever technically ground pilots or aircraft. It's probably a moot point now, but I'll ask anyway. But then again, maybe not. Perhaps we'll end up in a second set of restrictions. Anyway, what if I had taken my aircraft up during the lockdown period when it was all so unclear and I'd had an accident and wanted to make a claim? Would, would that have affected my insurance, do you think? Um, look, I, I can only speak for, for my company, of course. But generally, generally speaking, you know, uh, a, a regulatory breach needs to be the cause of an accident for an insurer to avoid paying a claim. So, you know, a really, a really good example, some years ago, one of the aircraft owner groups uh, sent something around to their members that said, uh, if the aircraft registration marks down the side of your aircraft do not meet the CASA minimum requirements for size and all that sort of stuff, then your insurer could de- decline a claim because you're in breach of the regulations. That sort of mindset is, is foolish because there's no way known that that kind of breach of the regulations could cause an accident. Similarly, in the current situation, if um, the state government's view is that you should be only leaving home for this range of activities and, and that doesn't clearly include going for a fly in your aeroplane and, and, and if you did go for a fly in your aeroplane and there was an accident, it would be a very brave insurer that would try and rely on a, a set of state of emergency guidelines from the state government to avoid paying a claim. For an insurer to rely on a regulatory breach, the regulatory breach needs to be either the cause or a really significant cause of the accident for, for us to be able to, uh, you know, decline paying a claim to a customer. And finally, do you have any questions for industry? Have I got any, any questions for industry? Nothing particularly specific um, other than to say that, you know, if they need our help, they need to ask for it. You know, don't be backwards in asking for it. Don't be backwards in asking a question that you might think's a dumb question about your insurance policy because, you know, we'd rather have a joke about a dumb question before you have an accident than have an unpleasant conversation about what was potentially a dumb question after you've had the accident. I guess that's the probably the key message is, you know, we consider us part of the general aviation industry because that's, you know, we genu- genuinely are, but consider us as your risk partner and, uh, you know, lean on us when you need us for um, questions, advice, that sort of stuff. Okay, I'll wrap it up there. Thanks so much, Mike. That was great. No problems, Angela. And apparently I'm human. After all that, I realised that I hadn't actually asked the one thing that would, of course, be on everyone's mind. Will my premiums go up? 
So I gave him a quick call back this morning and caught him on the hop. Mike, what about our insurance premiums? What's happening there? Um, look, insurance premiums have generally been uh, on rise across all classes of insurance, not just aviation. And and do you think that that upward shift will be greatly affected by the pandemic? No, I don't think the pandemic will have an impact on that at all. I mean, that, that's driven purely by underwriting results. So, um, you know, if, if particular sectors continue to perform poorly from a, an insurance results perspective, so, um, you know, if, if the accident rate continues in particular areas and there's no sign of improvement there, then those areas will get increasing insurance premiums. Well, Mike has given us some interesting things to think about there, particularly as we get back into it. My questions for you today as we start to head back into the skies are, are you safe? And are you safe? And my bonus question is, is the cost of insurance prohibitive to your business? And do you think the government should be helping GA in this respect? If you've got questions or comments, you can leave them at www.rightspeakfly.com forward slash grounded and find this episode's comments section. For episode seven, Sue Woods, business manager of Jabiru, one of Australia's only aircraft manufacturing companies, comes to the party. Find out about Jabiru's foray into face shield production, how the manufacturing sector is doing generally, and whether recreational flying might actually see a resurgence in the near future. And finally, a quick don't be av board section. Take some of your downtime to do a self-examination of your insurance. Do you have the correct hull value? Remember, currency conversion rates might be very different at the moment, meaning your insurance buck might not get you what you had. What about your liability insurance? Is that at an appropriate level? And are you actually rusty? Maybe there's a pilot proficiency program you can participate in that improves your risk profile, such as those offered by the Bonanza and Comanche societies. Have a look around, see what you can find. I'm Angela Stevenson for rightspeakfly.com. Thanks for being with me again. Never forget how lucky we are to be in this industry. Spread your wings, spread the love of aviation, and remember, you can always go round. <laughs>